0: What's up, Zambia? This is Robin Pirie from soundcomposed.com. Hosted by British Council Southern African Arts, this series takes you behind the scenes on Zoom sessions. Ambient Sound Pros meet David Asselmanning of DM Sound Design UK. Well, as it's all related, David, um, I guess it might be easier to maybe combine um, the the rest of what's said so that um, you can just add the licensing on the other end of it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay okay right so um if we just go back to uh we know that you started with the uh, artist performance side and you took that to the level you did and then you've got the sound side of it which is i guess for everyone who's here today it is uh the sound in relation to music primarily i think uh, i'm hearing about and we may have a couple of people here who are thinking beyond um mm. yeah. uh, music itself uh, and then yeah. the sound becomes of, uh, of interest. So yeah. uh, with, with the last conversation with Faith and the different platforms you were giving, uh, you stopped at the 44.1. Um, quite recently, in terms of broadcast, I've had to highlight the 48.24 stance.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. so
0: if, if, if you don't mind taking it up a notch, and uh, yeah. let's let's deal with why broadcast requires the different formats, number one, and where your 4824s would be used and what's kind of expected when you work, not just within music, mixing or mastering, but film or games. They all work very differently, yeah. which people may not be aware of. But if you could just give a sort of round view of
1: those. Okay, um, so when i mentioned 44.1 kilohertz and 16 bit that was decided between Sony and phillips to be the standard um uh specification for audio on cd and that's because uh the human range of hearing is 20 hertz 20 kilohertz generally speaking and so there's a theory called nycros theorem which states that sound needs to be redu- uh, reproduced at least twice the uh, frequency the highest frequency um, of human hearing plus a little bit more um, in order for that sound to be reproduced faithfully, to be given high quality um, and so the sample rate of 44.1 kilohertz was seen as optimal um, however we Nowadays, I, I said that as an absolute minimum. Um, what's quite uh, what you will see quite often, as Robin has mentioned, is 48 kilohertz and sometimes 24 bit. Your bit depth is how faithfully you can represent the amplitude of a recording. The sample rate is how faithfully you can represent the frequency content. Um, and it can get a bit technical. I'm sure some of you probably have a a, a background in terms of what that relates to, but if not, again, I'm happy to share some some further information. But uh, that's the the reason why we use those formats in film. You will often see 48 kilohertz. In in a nutshell, it's higher quality, higher fidelity audio, which can be manipulated in many different ways. Uh, You can go higher than that as well often, both in music and in film, you might even see 96 kilohertz uh, because it allows you, especially with regard to sound design, if you sample at a high sample rate, it allows you to manipulate the audio with less noise, clicks, pops, digital artifacts um, because you're getting a, a high quality sound overall. Um, now, in terms of the different platforms, Platforms, uh, again, if you're streaming from a platform, the platform may have a limited amount of bandwidth, uh, i.e. sort of real estate or space, um, to be able to send music uh, over the internet. Therefore, uh, depending on what servers they're using, they might need a smaller audio quality or higher audio quality. So um, that's why it's important to know what each format requires so that your music will sound uh, just as good as the next person's, okay? Because what you don't want and what stations don't want is um, low-quality music being mixed in with high-quality music, low-fidelity mixing with high-fidelity, because it impacts on on them and their image as well. So they want everyone to have a a good listening experience. Um, And for sound, they will have their own compression that they add to your audio as well, and that will affect... um, your mixes if they are mixed differently from others that have met specifications so that, that's one of the reasons i hope i'm answering that um uh, adequately um Ed, edwin's hand went up
0: yeah i'm just uh edwin
2: hi edwin, uh, hi, edwin. hi are you able to hear me clearly yep okay so um before i ask the question I also wanted to clarify on uh, the previous uh, uh, participant who asked the question on muscle hearing, mixing and mastering. So, the problem that we've had in India is that um, you have uh, uh, people exposed to uh, musical instruments and exposed. Uh and, well, some of them are quite good in creating whatever they would create with those data But then the end uh, um, finished product is where they essentially tend to have problems because, but not knowing the science and the um, the art of uh, sound itself. So sure. like right now, I very sure that. Uh, what we're talking about in terms of the beat rate and sample rate is flying over a lot of my people's heads because mm. that's uh, a uh, drift to most of them because they have not sound engineering, uh, audio engineering to production and just creating music everywhere. So yeah. that is where my, my young uh producer from yeah who asked the question is having those challenges on how the music set elsewhere for mixing and mastering? I can guarantee you there are the numbers of service here that can actually deliver and do the job here but mm-hmm. probably you don't know. Yeah. So um that's that's just a comment. But my question uh I I think from Rob, when you're talking about the software uh correct me if I'm wrong. Are you talking about the pre-production of the audio, or is it in the post-production uh, after you've mixed and mastered uh, your audio to actually have those separate? Uh, for instance, if I'm having a soft, for instance, mix, are you saying the specifications you're talking about, uh, say, for instance, the 90 kilohertz, is that the final audio master for a particular platform? uh because if my memory serves me right most of the platforms will require 44.1 as your ultimate uh, studio um uh audio uh master capturing that audio you have an option and because the the bigger the bit stretch and the uh, upper rate, the better the audio quality that you preserve in your Ever uh, digital audio workstation you're using. Um, so when you you mention you're mentioning the, the the two uh uh push eight point one and push eight was well, that supposed to be the master's uh audio or in the production
1: yeah so um yeah thank you for the comment that you made earlier on as well regarding um knowledge base and you you used the correct word when you said science there is a science involved and yeah, and i I believe you're 100 percent right when you say there are people um at home who are absolutely capable of doing it it's just having that background knowledge to then apply that knowledge And and I guess that's what the whole point in in the knowledge sharing is—to get uh, to get everyone to that point. Um, With regard to the file size, yeah, the forty-four point one and forty-eight mentioned was the master. Ninety-six generally will be something done during recording, so that you can then manipulate the audio. But um, deliverables—the final master um, product—forty-eight kilohertz, sixteen or twenty-four bit is usually fine with film i generally use 48 kilohertz 24 bit i deliver um audio 48 as well generally but some again it depends on the platform some are for 44.1 then it'll be 44.1 but i always set as a standard my project my pro tools projects always set to 48 kilohertz. does that answer your question I will just mention also um, with regard to uh, some of the specification we're talking about, just some stuff like when it comes to um, mixing and and mastering, especially with regard to uh, mastering, just a tip for anyone mastering at the moment, and and sometimes it misses people, um, cutting out frequencies that are beyond the threshold of human hearing so if you're using eq for example everybody likes bass right but there are bass frequencies that we cannot hear but they still add energy to a track meaning that if you play your track next to a professionally mixed commercially released track you may find that If your track sounds as loud as the commercially released track your track is distorting or if you're mixing um, and mastering and making sure that your track is not peaking i.e. going into the red um, or clipping it won't sound as loud as the commercially mixed um, track and a lot of that is because often we keep frequencies that we can't actually hear um, in the project. So one tip is to get rid of frequencies that we can't hear. So anything below 20 hertz, if you're using EQ, cut out anything below 20 hertz. You can possibly push that a little bit higher. And anything towards the 20 kilohertz, try and get rid of that as well. It'll give you more room to raise the overall level of your track uh, when mastering. But again, um, I'm happy to to sort of like demonstrate some of this using um, using like BandLab. I'm happy to do sort of like sessions uh, online, where we can do some knowledge sharing. Uh,
2: Yeah, that'd be very nice. I I think that uh, that has been like the biggest challenge, even here back home. So the interpretation of loudness. And uh, how a song should be played,
1: and things like that. So it's that yeah. conception of uh, the cutting out of the uh, uh, advanced treatment. Yeah, yeah. I've been mean, prepar- There's that old adage: proper preparation prevents poor performance. But there are things like also treating the space in which you're recording. Um, Something that we often take for granted is that when we are mixing in one environment and it sounds good, we sometimes expect it to sound good when we put it in another environment. But unless the environment you're actually mixing in is treated um, adequately, when you take your audio that you may have listened to in one uh, particular space and play it somewhere else, it won't sound the same. And you've probably, some of you may have experienced that as well. So, you know, it, sound, it sounded good yesterday when I was listening in this place. Now i brought it here, it doesn't sound quite right. Uh, it sounds too bassy or it, now there's not enough high frequency. How comes it sounds different? So it's making sure that the environment that you're working in is treated adequately as well. Um, so, yeah, again, happy to, to go through sessions and how we can treat our environments too. Okay. So, all right.
0: Back to basics, guys. Yep. For um, everyone who's here and uh, you record, let's start with you as uh, an uh, if you're a musician playing an instrument, uh, or whether you're a studio producer who's just putting their music together in the studio. Um, Edwin, by the way, <laughs> I religiously work at 96k these days. I don't know why. I used to love. Um, I, I I never used to bother with it before. But um, after a while, some of the software you use as well um, will start to make you go a certain direction. So um, starting with the highest quality possible, and uh, then it doesn't matter what um, you're required to deliver on the other end, simply because it's going to always be uh, underneath that uh, the 96 anyway.
2: So you must have in uh, uh, big machines trying- with big. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, David can tell you as someone who uh, we, we, we work together a lot. So uh, yeah. um, uh, I, I think perhaps maybe the key thing for me is the ears. That's what uh, I prioritize over everything else. And, um, point. Uh, and the key thing about it is, if, if you do have the ears, you can work on equipment that maybe somebody else can't get the same thing out of. And uh, by being very careful and detailed, uh, you, you, you'll get to a place where someone can't actually tell. And you can work on the best equipment in the world. And if you don't have the ears for it, you'll still mess it up and it's not going to sound good. It doesn't matter what equipment you get. Um, so... Um, yeah, there, there is the science to it, but ultimately, if we're going to talk about the actual sound itself, I would, I would say the ears um, have to t- be taken into account. So I'm very, very particular about that. So therefore, I love um, David, because when someone can get their sound a certain way, and I do encourage you to go off and listen to his Arise King David, uh, if you want to hear great mixes and, you know, great masters, uh it's it's the warmth um people get so there have been very few engineers i've worked with over time uh and and that's literally because it's only a certain warmth i look for i spent a lot of time on a uh an american site it was just a few of us to begin with but by the time i think we're all done with it there's you know several million members but it's it's mostly behind the scenes engineers and people like that and i remember uh, having a, a conversation one day saying, I've just realized that even when I listen back to all these different recordings and things, I only like specific albums. And I started to list what I liked. And after a while, um, someone came up to me, a guy called CJ, and said, uh, and I'd known him for a while. And he says, Robin, you've literally picked out everything I've ever mixed. <laughs> so, So there you go. Um, That's how I met one of the uh, engineers I do like. It literally was uh, from just listing recordings. And he's worked with uh, most of the R&B people. And he's actually part of, I think he was part of Quincy Jones's team at the time. But from an R&B perspective, most of those Arista guys I think were going via him. So um, when I say that David's sound for me is, 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 one of the key reasons why I, I, I you know, you, there's also an element of trust. Faith, for example, when you're talking about you're going off and giving things to facilities uh, in South Africa and stuff, and uh, I, would, I would assume it's because you're trusting them to come up with something that you actually want. So uh, it, it's got to be the same way, I guess, to a certain extent, with the engineers and engineers you pick to work with. Some producers are not engineers, it's that simple, and some engineers are producers. And somebody who's sitting in the corner of the room might actually be better at mixing than the person sitting in front of the board. So I I believe everyone should really get a shot and you start to work out who's actually got the ear for the music. I don't know what you you want to say about that, David.
1: Yeah, no, excellent point. What you will find quite often is is the engineer that mixes a track will not necessarily be the engineer that masters the track because you're approaching with two different ears. and, And... Often, if you are the same person that's doing it, you need to take a break from it. So, um, yeah, for that reason, we, we, we some of us are better at other things than, than others. And so, yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, so um, trust is, is paramount. Knowing what somebody can do and going to that person for that particular reason, um, it saves you time and money. And ultimately, the end product is something you'll be happy with as well um so yeah yeah oh, thank you for those kind words robin thank you
0: <laughs> you don't even have to say that dynamic dynamic duo right
1: <laughs> yeah that's it yeah exactly
2: i'm
0: um, sorry it. um in the interest of transparency david maybe maybe perhaps i should let you um see how we actually know each other Though.
1: yeah so um robin and i met through um a, a family member actually who worked in film we worked on a project um i I say actually we've we've met before actually working in film um yeah so yeah exactly at a a function um and then after some time you know it transpired that we're working in the same field and through a family member who makes film we started working together on a project and haven't looked back since then so you know friends and colleagues in that sense.
0: there you go um, so uh, anything that comes up, if you're talking about sound a certain way, I, 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 you know what I love about you, David, because you love your uh, background thing, I guess I'm similar, but when it comes to other aspects of what I do, right? But um, mm-hmm. what I guess I love about David is the fact that uh, I had a project that came through, what was it? Um, it's, it's, it's an odd one, that one, because it was a Bollywood film. <laughs> oh,
2: that yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, um, very different in terms of for the first time it wasn't uh one of the music projects so although i was working on a bollywood music project um the same guy on it came off and said hey wait a second there's this film that's come up with this uh, new young filmmaker and it's uh, uh it's about a violinist um who can't go to sleep so apparently that is um a particular illness very 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 rare but um uh, it is a thing. So this guy decided to make the film about the violinist and it was very important to him to have that but uh, it took me five minutes to realize that uh, India works very differently. So even though he was coming to me for a score, next thing I realized he's talking about Foley <laughs> and he's talking about and he's talking about sound design elements and all these other things. Right. So I'm kind of like, you know what, I will score this for you. <laughs> uh, but if we're gonna now start talking sound design, don't worry about it. And that's uh, when I just picked up the phone and David being David, he was there like a shot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, and that was, that was 100% Foley as well no production audio whatsoever yes um, it was purely and ADR and that was actually a, 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 a fun project to work on actually and I guess the, the thing I love about that is because um, about sound design in general is because it, it's similar to making music at the end of the day you're ultimately you're trying to elicit an emotion through manipulating sound and, mm-hmm. and, and audio so um, yeah the two the two work differently, but they're very similar, in I sense.
0: So there have been times, guys, that uh, David will find himself doing music and sound design. I find myself doing music and sound design. And yeah. there's other times where you can just literally split it and just say, right, yeah. I'm going for the yeah. music, <laughs> and he goes for the sound.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think we, we work well that way. Indeed.